and welcome to all of you online. And if you're here and you got baptized, congratulations. Can we congratulate those that were baptized? Right? And your certificates at the end of service will be in the fellowship hall towards the back at the yes table. So make sure you go by and pick them up there. Pastor Jonathan will be there to help you. And for you seniors, um, we're counting down the days. August 13th is the um, senior prom. So if you want to go to that, I think we have a few tickets left. It'll be up here at 5 p.m. So make sure you get your ticket. All right? Well, last week was my grandson's birthday. And so my husband and I took Corbin to Honolulu to see the Snoopy um, experience thing that's over there. And we rented a car and we were driving. Now, if you live in Hawaii, you get this. We don't ever put signs up that say the road is closed ahead or the lane is closed. You just kind of discover it when you get there. So we're driving in Honolulu, which, you know, we live here, so we're not comfortable. Well, we're not. He's driving. I'm being the wife, not a backseat driver, just driving. And he's driving, and the car in front slows down, and then he starts slowing down. So I look, and sure enough, the lane that we're in is closed up ahead, which means we have to get to the next lane. So he looks, and... Like I said, I'm not a backseat driver, so I looked, and there's room to get into the next lane. So he signals, he starts moving over, and the car behind us sped up and closed the gap. I'm like, oh, okay then, got to save that second. So the car passes us, and he pulls in behind the car, and the car has a bumper sticker that says, I'm Christian, and I vote. So then we get past where the road is closed, and he pulls back into the lane, and I look at him, and I say, pull next to the car. And he goes, nope. I go, no, come on. I'm going to be nice. Just pull next to the car. And Tom is a much more godly person than I am. Okay, right now, he's more godly than I am. I said, pull next to the car and roll down the window. No, I'm not doing it. I said, just, I'm going to be nice. He didn't, so I didn't get to say it. I just wanted to ask a question. All I was going to say is, hey, I am so glad that your Christianity affects the way you vote. Could you let it start affecting the way you drive? <laughs> I mean, that was nice, right? That wasn't bad. Isn't it true that all Christians should be kind and courteous drivers? Even if we don't say it, we think that there is a way for Christians to act and to behave. Think about it. How do you respond to the way some Christians talk or to what they do or don't drink or the way they drive or the way they dress or the movies they watch or the music they listen to. See, if you call yourself a Christian, you've either been confronted with this or you might have addressed it with someone else. And if you're not a follower of Christ, you get a pass, but listen, because I think by the end maybe you'll have some grace for us. So where did we get this idea that there are rules for Christians to follow? That there's a way for you to act if you're a Christian? Well, we go all the way back to Mount Sinai for that. God had delivered the Israelites out of 400 years of slavery. And he was preparing to take them into the land that he promised. But remember, they'd lived as slaves all those years. So he needed to give them some parameters, some rules for how to live as a free people and as a community. He was also setting them apart from the rest of the nations because he wanted the Israelites to set an example of what a nation looked like 
what it follows and obeys the true God. He was setting a standard for righteousness. So he gave them the Ten Commandments through Moses. Well, a thousand, couple thousand years later, Jesus enters into the picture. And in a conversation with the religious leaders of his day, Jesus said that he didn't come to destroy the law, but he came to fulfill it. Now, Matthew, who was a tax collector and followed Jesus and was present when Jesus said this, wrote this. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill them. Now, that was enough to make the people uncomfortable. But then to add a little bit more discomfort, he refined the idea a little bit more in another conversation. See, by this point, the religious leaders are definitely not thrilled with Jesus. They wanted to rid themselves of him, and they definitely wanted to discredit him to the people. So they tested him one day. And Matthew records the conversation in Matthew. And it says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And then Jesus replied, Love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbors as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two. Did you catch what he said? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All. The law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. It's Ten Commandments, everything the prophets had said, all hung on two commandments. Love God, love people. But not only did Jesus say he fulfilled the law, he encompassed it all down to those two. Well, later the apostle Paul would come on the scene and wanting to help those he was discipling understand what loving God and loving people looked like, he defined it in a letter to the church of Corinth. Now, if you've ever been to a wedding, you've heard this during the ceremony. It's a nice touch, but it's definitely not who Paul was writing to. See, he was writing to Christians. And what he was saying is, this is what love for others, all others, looked like. Now, if you were here last week or online, you watched us, uh, we recited this portion of scripture with Pastor Sheldon. And we won't do that today, but I am going to list them. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil. Love rejoices with the truth, always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And then Paul ended this portion of his letter by saying, love never fails. See, and Jesus encompassed the law into two very easy to remember, 
but very difficult commandments. Love God and love people. But then did Paul come and undo it by turning it into 13? Well, to answer that question, we need to move up a few verses in the letter to 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. And Paul wrote this, If I speak with every language on earth or the tongues of angels, but I don't love, I'm just making noise. If I have the gifts of prophecy and I can understand all of God's secrets and I have enough faith to move the mountains, but I don't love, I'm nothing. And if I give all that I have to the poor and I sacrifice myself, but I don't love, then I gain nothing. See, according to Paul, I can say all kinds of things. I can wear shirts with Christian sayings. I can post verses on my social media page. I can put a Christian bumper sticker on my car. And I can hallelujah and praise the Lord with the best of them. But if I don't love, all people hear is yada, yada, yada. But Paul doesn't leave us feeling like failures. He goes on to describe what love looks like, and that's those 13 that he mentioned. And he didn't give us a to-do list on how to be loving. He said, when people look at you and they see love, that's what they see. And then he said, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. See, Paul circled back to love. And when you circle back to love, you circle back to Jesus. Because according to John, who called himself the beloved, or as many of our children say, the favorite, one of the last instructions Jesus gave his followers was to love one another just as he had loved them. He said this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And when Jesus loved, there were no strings attached. There was no leveraging. There was no if this, then that. He simply loved. And when I love others just as Jesus loved me, then love will look like not being impatient with other shoppers in a crowded grocery store who run into long-lost friends that I haven't seen in eons and stop and uh, block the aisle so you can't shop when you're rushing. I won't be impatient with them, not because I'm Christian, because I'm learning to love, and love is patient. Love looks like not snapping at the server when um, service is not as fast as I want. Not because I'm trying to be a good Christian witness, but because I'm learning to love, and love is kind. Love looks like when I get into an argument with my husband, I don't bring things up from the past. Not because I'm trying to be a good Christian wife, because I'm telling you right now, I fail at that. But because I'm learning to love. And love doesn't keep record of wrongs. So how do we shift from tasks? How do we shift from doing things so that I can be loving to genuinely loving others? And if you're taking notes, and it's in the app if you have it, the first one is, don't follow rules, follow principles. See, I don't know about you, but when I 
and following a set of rules, I will try to find a workaround. I will try to find a way where I can still get what I want, but I followed the rule. Like, if I'm irritated with somebody, how short and how sassy can I be without sinning? Or like, if they're not looking at me and they say something, can I roll my eyes because they didn't see and so they didn't get hurt feelings and so I didn't sin? You know, it's that whole, how close can I get to sin without sinning mentality? And we've all, I mean, like, I'm sure you all felt the same way. When we were kids, did we not say, well, rules were made to be broken? Well, what rules do is they tell us how to act. But they don't change our heart. They don't change our attitude. And when our heart and attitude doesn't change, we're not changed. So let me give you a principle. I really seriously like potato chips. Like, out of control, no self-discipline, like potato chips. If there's a bag in the house, if I'm not paying attention, I can eat the whole bag. And if we're going to be really honest, I am paying attention, and I still eat the whole bag. And it's not good for me. So I make this rule. The rule is, I get this little plate, and I put the chips on there. And that's all the chips I can eat. And I can't go back until tomorrow to put any more chips on the plate. You want to see how that rule's working? Right here. They put the picture up. <laughs> I followed the rule. You see the chips are all on the plate. There's two that are sneaking off, but they're on the plate. The rule is followed. I'll let you know that is a party-sized pack. That's half the pack. I don't drink Pepsi because that's unhealthy, but it's just there for size. <laughs> but there is a thing. When there's a rule, you can move the boundary lines and you can shift it to get what you want because look what I did. Rules change according to our wants and needs. You will always find a workaround. But here's the thing. When God gave the Ten Commandments to the Israelites, he was teaching former slaves how to live together in community. He was setting them apart from other nations, and he was establishing what righteousness looks like. See, when other people saw the way the Israelites lived and treated each other, they would see an example of people living in right relationship with others and with God. And they would see what a high, uh, what a holy and righteous nation looked like. But if you've read the Old Testament, we see that over and over and over again, that's not what the Jewish people did. They kept breaking the laws and they kept breaking the commands of God. So the people around them really didn't see a righteous nation. And then when Jesus came later and he encompassed the law into love God and love people, he didn't change what righteousness looked like. God had already defined that for us. And his holiness and his righteousness are unchanging. What Jesus did is he changed how we achieve righteousness and how we share it with others. So now instead of following the laws to be righteous, we exhibit the same righteousness through love. And I think the best example I can give you is when I got married to my husband 43 years ago and we stood there and we made vows. 
and we made promises. And within those vows and promises, there are certain rules and expectations. One of the big ones is faithfulness. I expect and he expects there's going to be faithfulness in our marriage. And we do that, but we do that because we love each other, not because there's a rule in place, but because we love each other. Now, if we were faithful only because there's a rule in place, then we can move the boundary lines. And if I move the boundary lines, it looks like this. Well, as long as I don't cross the line, there's nothing wrong with a few lunches that I don't tell my spouse about. Well, as long as I don't cross the line, then I can text and not tell my spouse about it. I'm not doing anything wrong. I haven't crossed the line. Well, if I don't cross the line, it's okay if I don't invite my spouse to everything this other person is at as long as I don't cross the line. Still following the rules. See, when the motive for righteousness is law, we move the boundary lines. And let's be honest. Even if the rule or expectation wasn't broken, our spouse would still be hurt by all those exceptions that we made. See, if I'm following the letter of the law, boundary lines can and they do shift. However, there are no boundary lines in love. Love cares for the well-being of another. And expressing that care motivates our actions. And that's what love looks like. And according to Paul, love fulfills the law. See, when love is our motivation, we're not concerned about obeying the law. We want to express law, and by doing that, we fulfill the law. Paul said it this way. In Romans 13.10, Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. See, if I'm genuinely loving others, I don't really have to worry about whether I am sinning or displeasing God. Because love sets the standards by which I'm living. And rather than just following rules and moving the lines to suit me, I'm defaulting to love. And love? Love covers a multitude of sins. At least that's what one of Jesus' closest followers said. In 1 Peter 4.8, he wrote, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. See, love changes the way I view others and the way I treat them. And why is love the defining line? It's because God made it so. It's because of what God did. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Most of us know this verse. We see someone holding a banner with this verse at sporting events. It's probably one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. In fact, there are companies who the owner and the board, they're Christian, and they actually have this verse somewhere on their packaging. It's one of the first verses our kids learn in Sunday school. It's probably one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. And sometimes I think because of how popular it is, 
that we miss the power and the truth behind this verse. God loved the world, the entire world. No one is left out. No one is not good enough. No one has sinned too greatly. He even loves those who are difficult to love. Even that person that just crossed your mind. So he gave his one and only son. God gave. He didn't leverage. He didn't say, if you, then I'll. We don't have to follow rules. We don't have to earn it by our good behavior. And God didn't pick and choose who he sent. He had one son, Jesus. And he gave Jesus. That whoever believes, not a specific group, not a perfect person, not someone who managed to jump through all the hoops, whoever, and you, you online, me, people down the street, the person who irritated you this morning, the person who irritated you this week, we're all whoever shall have eternal life. Not limited, no end in sight, forever and ever. And when God did that, when God sent Jesus for the entire world, he declared that all the whoever's, you and me, the person next to you, the person in the same room with you if you're online, that every one of us, he declared that we are of great value. God placed his value and his worth on each and every one of us. And I want you to catch that. Each person is valuable enough to God that he sent Jesus to die for them. And if God values them that much, then who am I not to value them? See, when I treat someone with respect, with honor, with patience, with kindness or value because I'm obeying the law, I can move the boundary line. But here's the catch. God sent his son, Jesus, for every whoever that ever existed, that exists now or will exist in the future. God wanted the broken relationship with us repaired, so he sent Jesus to the cross to die for our sins, and not just our sins, whoever. Every person on this earth, the person down the street, the person on the next island, the person in the next state, the person in Canada, Ukraine, Russia, Cuba, Africa, no matter what they've done, no matter what they're going to do sometime in the future, every person has high value and is honored in God's sight. Author, theologian, and seminary teacher C.S. Lewis said it this way, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, 
an exploit. Next to the blessed sacrament itself, and he was an Anglican, so to him that's communion, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. So who am I to move the boundary lines for someone that I have issues with? Well, to be honest, if we're obeying law for the sake of law, we can and we do. But if we're following Jesus and we're loving others just as he loved us, there are no boundary lines to shift because love sets the standard. Because love, not law, motivates us. At least that's what John said. The one who calls himself the favorite. We love because he first loved us. Which leads to our final point, and I'm actually going to close with this. I'm going to ask you to go home. I'm going to ask you to wrestle this one through on your own. Knowing that Jesus encompassed all the law and all the prophets into two simple to say, difficult to follow commands. Love God, love people, all people, every person, even the one that I'm like, ah, not sure. Knowing that, will you leave here today and let the answer to this question motivate you from this point forward? And this is the question. What does love require of me? See, we're set free from obeying rules, but make no mistake, love requires something from us. And let that motivate us from this day forward. Amen? Okay, I want to um, give some... We talked about Jesus and everything that he's done and this love for us and how nothing we could do could separate us from him, how much God wants a relationship with us. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And if there's anybody here who says, I am valuable and I want God's forgiveness and I want to receive Jesus as my Savior, online, you can put that in the chat. So if you're here, can you raise your hand so we can pray for you? I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. heads and pray. And then I want you to stick around a little bit. Abba Father, thank you for those that have said yes to you. Lord God, would they always remember how valuable, how precious they are in your sight. And would your love and your spirit empower them to live from this day forward in your power, in your grace, and in your mercy. Lord God, we ask a blessing upon them. And may they know and recognize that their lives are changed not because of anything they do, but because of everything that you've done and for the sacrifice you made on the cross. So Lord God, we receive you as our Savior, as our Lord. And Lord, for the rest of us, may we go forward from this day. May we be changed and may love be our motivating factor. May we stop living by rules and stop trying to measure up and meet others' expectations. Instead, may we allow your spirit to move in us and through us and teach us to love just as you did. May the love we give not leverage anything for anybody. May it never be about, if they do this, I'll do that. But may we love them because you do and because you value them. So we go forth from here, Lord God. We want to reflect your light. 
the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, today is the fifth Sunday of the month, and for us, that means it's Aloha Sunday. And when Aloha Sunday comes, we get to Aloha, some of our missionaries and some of the people in other countries. We're actually part of the Foursquare denomination, and we partner with the Foursquare Missions International to reach out to other nations. So we're going to have an opportunity to give for that if you want to. Um, we're going to watch a video. We'll explain how to do that, and then we'll close in prayer. Hey, greetings. Chad Eisenhart here with Foursquare Disaster Relief. Hey, I want to give you a quick update on the response to the crisis in Ukraine as a result of your giving. We have so much happening in the nation. We have uh, containers and, and trucks full of supplies coming in through our churches to benefit uh, church communities and, and, and the people in their, in their own flocks uh, right now. This is food and supplies getting to our pastors so they can continue to help their communities. We're also looking at setting up bakeries and, and points of distribution through local churches so that they can begin to, to build an economic engine to, to give people a wage and and help them to make the bread, but also have something to be able to give out to their communities with a real tangible expression of Jesus. We're also uh, buying vans and, and building up a logistical capacity to be able to, to bring things from the west of Ukraine and the safe zones into the east. Um, these vans are bringing in supplies on a daily basis, bringing food, medicine, and also evacuating Ukrainians to the west and some on even into other places in Europe. Through our missionaries all throughout Europe, uh, we are beginning to, to house families. Uh, places like Krakow, we just signed a, a lease for a, an apartment that, that's going to be able to house about 20 different refugees uh, right now. This is uh, single mothers and their kids and giving them a safe place to live as well as a place for them to, uh, to, to have their kids stay while they go and work. In, in Slovakia and Romania, similar things are happening where homes are being set up, apartments are being set up to house refugees. Estonia and Germany, all of these nations where we have Foursquare local churches are, are, are setting up the infrastructure to be able to house, welcome in refugees, and really begin to minister to their needs on a daily basis because of you. And so we are so grateful for your partnership, your prayers, and your support. You are making a difference in the lives of Ukrainians all throughout Europe and also in Ukraine right now. We are so blessed by you. So if you want to give to that, you can. Make sure that on your check, you write missions. Or if you um, put it in the um, boxes in the back, write sure on the envelope, you write missions. Um, if you were baptized, your baptism certificates, like we said, are in the back at the yes table. Pastor Jonathan will be there. Congratulations to you guys. For the rest of you, have a wonderful day. We're going to pray over the offering, and then you're dismissed. Lord God, thank you so much. Thank you for those who are called to give, who are giving and offering. Lord God, would you receive this and partner it for the expansion of your kingdom in this world. May it be used wisely, and may you bless those who give. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. We'll see you Sunday or Wednesday. Have a wonderful day. And remember, what does love require of me?